0: Good morning. Good morning. There I am. I'm slow, but I'm worth waiting on, I promise. I'm good. How's everybody doing? Good. Good, good, good. Well, welcome to City Hope, all of our campuses, Mobile, Bay Minette, Foley, uh, all of our correctional centers. Those of you who are watching online, man, thank you for tuning in with us this weekend. And can we give our first-time guest at every campus a round of applause come on can we just and welcome all of our campuses for those of you who i have not had the privilege of meeting i'm tim gautreaux one of the pastors here i have the privilege of serving on our executive team here at city hope and just honored to be here with you this weekend before i get into the message i want to give you something to celebrate about i want to give you an update um, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jerry uh, presented a, a need. It's something that we are very, or became very passionate about in Uganda. We had 15 containers that essentially contained 4.5 million meals uh, that were held up um, that were to, supposed to originally be distributed to refugee camps in Uganda. Um, As we presented the need, the the, the money, the finances started coming in, uh, basically $6,000 per container. And uh, Pastor Jonathan updated us last weekend, and eight of those containers, because of your generosity, uh, just to let you know, we had committed to, by the end of the year, releasing all 15 containers. But as of last week, uh, eight containers were released. But I'm happy to announce to you, that $90,000 this past week has come in. All 15 containers are released, and those, those things are going to be distributed. Come on, let's celebrate. Incredible. Generosity is active. And, and let me just, on behalf of all the leadership here, you are generous, City Hope and uh, I am grateful, we are grateful. Your generosity, that's how you make impact around the world, ladies and gentlemen, around the world, not just in our community, not just right here where we are, but around the world. Uh, it's just incredible to know that we can have an impact. People you'll never see, kids you'll never see, you'll never meet, uh, but you are a part of feeding them. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, um, I'm it. I'm in, I'm I'm the last. I'm I'm the caboose. I'm <laughs> I'm the omega. You know, I'm the end. And so this is the last part of the series, uh, fully alive. And uh, I am extremely honored and scared to death, literally, because we have had some very very powerful speakers and communicators in these last six weeks. And uh, this morning I feel pretty much like a weenie in a steakhouse. I got to be honest with you. I just. I don't feel that great. So I'm gonna do my best, and, uh, but humbled and honored to be here. And uh, so we have covered six of our seven core values. And just to recap, our core values drive who we are. Our core values, if you've ever wondered why do they do that or you know why are they so passionate about this, it's because seven core values drive and shape every single thing that happens here at City Hope Church. Our first week, uh, our core value was, it's all about Jesus. Uh, Our second week was, generosity is active. Healthy things grow. Excellence honors and inspires. Anything's possible. And everyone is significant. And if you have missed any one of those, I want to just strongly urge you to go back And listen to them Not only uh, because they are so encouraging And motivational and and insightful But because if you're planning on hanging out with us for a while You need to know why we do what we do And so I want to encourage you to go back And so this is the final week This is the last week And, And this week our core value is Life is better together I want everybody at every campus to say it with me Life is better together Now I want you to know I didn't make that up I did not make that up I'm not smart enough. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Life is better together. We believe that authentic life change happens in the context of relationship. Circles are better than rows. We always encourage people, these are the rows you sit in on the weekend, that's great, but find your circle. Find the circle of people that you can do life with because circles are more powerful than rows because life change happens in the context of relationships. I can't think of a better scripture than the one that we're about to read together that really captions, that really uh, summarizes what we're going to talk about today than the scripture that we're about to read. It's found, if you want to turn in your electronic device or your Bible, to Ecclesiastes. Um, that's that's one of those dusty books in the Bible, but Ecclesiastes. Um, it's right after Proverbs, chapter four, and we're going to read verses nine through twelve. Ecclesiastes four nine through twelve. It says this: Two are better than one. Once again, I didn't make this up. It's in the Bible. Two are better than one because they have a more satisfying return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and does not have another to lift him up. Again, if two lie down together, then they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And though one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken or not quickly broken. There are not many subjects, there are not many more subjects that are more important than the one that we're gonna talk about today because it has everything to do with relationship and this topic just so happens to be my favorite topic. I'm not an expert, I'm a student. And so because of that, it doesn't qualify me to talk about what I'm talking to you about today, but it makes me capable of sharing my experiences and that's exactly what I wanna do. Uh, I'm very passionate about the topic of relationships. I'm very passionate about finding ways to be more effective uh, with relationships. I value relationships. I value every relationship that I have, and I'm very passionate about it because just a little bit of my background, my story, I grew up a very dysfunctional child. I grew up very, very introverted. Anybody in this room or any of our other campuses who knows me and have known me for a year or two or the eight years that I've been on this team, know, you, you probably would not have recognized me 20 or 30 years ago because I was an extreme introvert. I was very shy. I was very set back. I did not engage. I didn't like talking to people. I didn't like people, period. Anybody in the room like that? You, you, you just don't like people. Thank you for your honesty. We have a lot of people in the room that don't like people. You're in the wrong place. (laughs) FYI. (laughs) But I was messed up. And part of it was because as a child, I grew up just late. Everything. Everything happened in my life late. I was always behind. I grew late. It's like I I developed late. I was a kid and I was awkward. I was, parents, you ever have one of those clunky kids, their head gets this big and the body didn't grow into it? I was that child. I would go to school. I'd get picked on. I was bullied. I was just real awkward. I'd, I'd fall over because my head was so big, and and I looked like a meatball on a toothpick. I mean, it was it was ugly. It wasn't good, and so the kids would pick on me, and I would cry, and I'd go home. And how many know mamas can make everything better? Mamas have a way, and I'd go home crying, and she said, "Why are you crying, honey?" I said, "Those kids said I had a big head." She said, "Come here, baby. You ain't got no big head." She said, come on, dry your eyes. Made me better. I'm gonna tell you, the the truth is, my head was so big, I didn't have dreams, I had movies. It was horrible, (laughs) it was terrible. When I started playing ball, they gave me a prescription to go get a hat. (laughs) Struggle is real. Everything happened for me late. When I was 18, I had my first date. I didn't even ask my wife out, my cousin did. I was afraid. He asked her out and she went on the date with me and we took him along, it was awkward. But I'm glad he was there because that's how conversation kept alive, you know what I'm saying? Because I didn't know how. We got married a year later, he asked her to marry me too. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I would have preferred that, honestly. I was nervous but I realized three months into the marriage I'm like I I hadn't even held her hand yet I was afraid it's like I hadn't touched her and I'm like we're never gonna have children like this this is this is not good (laughs) I've got to grow in this relationship and I'm like everything for me was late and so it had an impact on every relationship in my future it had an adverse effect when i would try to meet new people when i would interview for jobs when i would venture into new any new thing that provided an opportunity that involved people it made me awkward and so it's a challenge that i'm learning to overcome i've made great strides and i want to help some of you today i want to share my insight i want to share some perspective with you with regards to being more effective in the area of relationships. I believe it's the heart of God. John three sixteen. most of us in here can quote it if you've been in church. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You know what I believe that scripture means? It literally means life is better together. God wanted relationship with us, with me, with you. So desperately that he sent his son to build that bridge, to bring us together because he wanted that relationship with humanity. So why is life better together? Why is it so important? Again, God says life is better together. So why is that? Well, number one, for spiritual growth. We grow spiritually through relationships. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says this iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. I need your perspective. You need my perspective. Together we collaborate and we make great strides. We grow together. Number two, emotional support. Emotional support. Did you know that there are over 58 one-another commands in the New Testament? that are impossible to fulfill if you're not in a meaningful relationship. Love one another. Encourage one another. Serve one another. Pray for one another. Bless one another. Again, it involves relationship. Another reason that life is better together is for better health. Did you know that researchers have discovered that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections? People who had bad health habits, such as smoking or poor eating habits or obesity or alcohol abuse, but strong social ties lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits, but were isolated. In other words... It is better to eat Krispy Kreme donuts with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. Come on, somebody. That's a good word. Social enjoyment. You can have all the money in the world. You can have everything there is to have. You can have all the stuff in the world, but if you don't have meaningful relationships, life stinks. Relationships are what matters at the end of the day. Next, you need relationships. Life is better. You need relationships to reach your goals. Listen, it takes a team to fulfill a dream. Henry Ford said this. He said, you can take my factories, you can burn down my buildings, but give me people and I'll build the business right back again. Everything in the world revolves around people. I have two sons. I've taught them from a very early age. Son, the greatest skill that you can acquire is people. Learn people, learn how to be. Relational, because no matter where you go in the world or what you do or what your profession is or what your career is or what it is that you set out to do that you feel like you're going to achieve and be great at, it is going to involve one thing, and that is people. So get good with people, and you'll be okay. Now, I don't have any objective or desire to spend all of our time today emphasizing why I think life is better together. It does none of us any good to know why something is is important without knowing how to act upon what we know. I believe that many, many church people are educated beyond their level of obedience. The last thing that you need in this room or at any of our campuses is is good preaching or good teaching. This church does not lack that. (laughs) Trust me, we get some of the best spiritual meals here you can get anywhere. And so I'm not here to dazzle you. I'm here to, again, exchange something in perspective that if you can put application to, then hopefully it will make you more effective in your life and in your world. So I want to spend the remainder of our time on how we can become better together. I was recently asked what I believed was the primary necessity for relational health. What do you think the number one ingredient is for relational health? Let's just talk marriage for a moment. What do you think the necessity is for a healthy marriage? To which I answered, I believe that before that we can talk in the context of marital or relational health, we have to talk about individuals. Because you can't contribute to the health of a relationship until you speak to the health of the individuals who were in that relationship. Two healthy individuals is what it takes to make a healthy relationship. If one or both of those individuals are unhealthy, you will never have a healthy relationship. And so let's begin this, something like this. We, us, we get better, your relationships get better, when I become a better me. So the quality of my relationship is contingent upon me becoming better. The the very beginning of the solution to many, if not most of our problems begins right here. When I get better, when you get better, everything and everyone around you gets better. Now, I must get better. November, I will be married, we will will be married 34 years. There's a lot invested. And I'm going to tell you for the first one, I prayed God change her. I said, God, please change that woman. She doesn't think the way I think. She is not meeting my expectations. God, if you can't change her, kill her. I mean, God, do something. And I'm going to tell you, some of you are still praying that prayer. (laughs) God's not going to answer that. Let me tell you how he'll answer it. He'll say, where do you need to change? Because I have discovered that when I change, everything changes. Everything changes. Everyone around me changes. All the dynamics of my relationships change When I change, so really God answered that prayer by saying, Tim, you change. And I started seeing the evidence of that as I began to look inward and I began to be open, then God began to do some things in me, and I started seeing things happen that exceeded every expectation that I could have ever had. Now, I want to ask everyone in this room and at all of our campuses this question. Are you satisfied with where you are? And more importantly, are you satisfied with who you are? And I would follow that up with, how's that working for you? What do questions like this do to you? And I would say, if if questions like this don't make you uncomfortable at all, then you might have the beginning of where some or most of your problems lie. Because becoming a better me begins with self-awareness. Most people are not self-aware. Most people have the conviction that if everything around them changed, then they could get better. They have this idea that when things around me get better, then I'll get better. When so-and-so starts meeting my expectations, when things start meeting my needs, it's all about me. And we live in a life where we're trained to think, well, that's not fair. I should never be treated that way. Let me just go ahead and get this out. Life is not fair. It's never going to be fair. It's never going to be fair. So if you hang your hat on that... And your expectation is such that you are looking for a world around you to get better before you start performing, you are living in a fantasy world. I have to get better, and in order to do that, I must ask myself, Where am I? Who am I? I must become self aware, and I must say that there's not a whole lot of need for self awareness in our society that promotes. Self. Do what feels good. It's all about you. It's all about me. Have it your way. You deserve this. Listen, social media at its best is a very superficial and misrepresented image of who you really are. We live in a selfie centered world. And this is dangerous because not only does it eliminate the margin for personal growth, it generates the idea that if I like what I see, then it must be good. And so people are making decisions and they're making choices based on what they see and what appeals to them. Listen, I have performed hundreds of wedding ceremonies, countless hours of counseling, and have come to the conclusion that most couples who enter a marital relationship have no idea what marriage is. And I know what you're thinking. You know, I know what you're saying. You're, you're, you're thinking, well, they can't possibly because they haven't been married. But to conceptualize in a society that is so self-submerged what marriage and serving and giving and contributing is, it's almost an unknown in our society. And so... I will do premarital counseling and I'll ask the couple, why do you love this person? And I'll typically start with the ladies and I'll say, why do you love him? And I get answers like, he's so fine. I mean, oh my God, look at him. He is so fine. Ladies, let me help you. Don't marry for looks. Don't get in a romantic relationship for looks. Because talk to somebody that's been married 15 or 20 years, and they will tell you, gravity is going to wreck that mug. (laughs) Mother Earth is going to suck the life out of him. He's going to sag. You better take before and after pictures, because you won't believe it. I'm telling you, when you marry him from the waist up, that joker's going to have a perfect V. 15 years later, he's going to still have the V, but it's going to be upside down. You're going to be walking behind him with a wheelbarrow to carry his parts. It's not going to be nice. And then you're going to lose your hair. Be free. Deal with it. Rogaine don't work. I'm just saying. I'm their number one dissatisfied customer. I don't like them. I'm going to write the owner. It's a farce. It's a scam. And those of you trying to You know, cover 20 acres with three pieces of grass, man, cut that down, let it go. (laughs) Let that go, be free, man, be you. Rock it. (laughs) Got a (laughs) cul-de-sac. A thriving, rewarding, fulfilling relationship must be deeper than the surface. It must, it must go deeper than what we see. We have to invest our values into things that last. I hear people say all the time, well, I just don't know how. Or that's just the way I am. And can I be honest with you? Those are excuses that we need to hang up. Those are things we just, we just need to ha- we just put that away. Those, those are not good reasons why we should be or continue to be dysfunctional. Those are not good reasons why we should continue to walk into dysfunction. We have to get better. Listen, if you have talents or if you're just good, really good at something, you have three responsibilities. Number one, develop them. Number two, use them. And number three, share them. Somebody needs them. Share. That's that's why small groups are so important you are going to end up in a group of people where somebody has a strength where you're weak, and vice versa. If you don't have talents, or if you're just not that good at something, you have four responsibilities. Number one, discover them. Discover them, find them. You know what, I'm 53 years old, I didn't have Google. We got Google, folks. Isn't that incredible? I mean, if you don't know how to do it, Google it. YouTube it. <laughs> Be careful, but do it. And then develop them. And then use them. God gave you gifts. We all had gifts. You have to discover them. You have to develop them. You have to use them. And more importantly, you have to share them because somebody needs them. The older demographic, the wiser those who are seasoned, those who have been through life, you owe it to the younger generation to share, not beat them over the head with a stick and say, you're going to do this, but just be conversational. Be relational. They want, to, they want to resource you. You have to be there for them. They need your experience. They need your perspective. They need your wisdom. They need your insight. And so we are to share those things. The best thing that you can do for yourself is invest in yourself. A lot of people don't do that. And and I know it rubs the grain, especially if you grew up in church where you heard it's God first, and then it's my family, and then it's the church. Listen, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. There's got to be investment in yourself because you're doing nobody any good if you're not investing in you. This begins with believing in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, why would you ever expect anybody else to? Number two, we become better together when I become a better friend. I'm always looking for ways to be a better friend. And and I'll tell you, there's so much packed into this. This is an entire series by itself. I'm just giving you bullet points. Listen, how can I become a better friend? How can we all become better friends to the people around us? Well, become the friend that you would like to have. Just become the friend that you always wished that you could have. What things do you desire from a relationship? And the question is, are you willing to give those things? What are your expectations? Are you willing to give those things? See, most people. Expect what they're unwilling to give. I counseled a married couple some time ago where the husband was clearly not measuring up to, in any sense of the word, the standard of servanthood. And in this session, he said in front of his wife, He said, Somewhere out there, there is someone who will treat me the way I deserve to be treated. And I'm going to tell you, as long as you stay self-centered, as long as you remain in that mindset and that attitude, you will isolate yourself, you, you will repel people, and you will end up in a state of isolation that is not going to be good for you. You have to learn people, and the way you learn people is to become interested in people. Jesus said, I haven't come to be served, I came to serve The greatest mark, the greatest characteristic of leadership is servanthood. Men, husbands, let me help you. The way you get expectations, the way you maximize your relationships is by serving, not by demanding, not by expecting. Not not by demanding everything that you feel like you deserve or you need. You'll never get anything that way. You become the number one recipient when you become the servant. You sacrifice, you lay your life down, and you model that, and you exhibit that, and then everything changes after that. Hey, I'm going to put a plug right here for our series coming up. Go ahead. There, there is one just outstanding thing about City Hope, and that is we believe a healthy church consists of healthy individuals. And so our whole objective is to make you healthy, is to help you become healthy. We're not here just for numbers and games and to see what we can do and to see how famous that we can be. We believe that a healthy church consists of healthy individuals which translates to healthy homes, healthy marriages, healthy families, and then healthy neighborhoods and then healthy job places. That's what we believe. And so next week when this series, This Is Us, it begins, I want to encourage you, invite your friends because it's just more of this. It's more of this. My prayer is that we just get hungry for things like this. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not supposed to fit in. We're not supposed to fit into dysfunction. We are supposed to be the agents of change. And the only way we can change is if we learn and grow together and become better. Amen? I want to be better. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better dad. I'm an empty nester. My kids are grown. They're married. We had our first granddaughter three months ago. It was awesome. It was incredible. But you know what? I'm not tired of trying to become better. I I heard a parent say some time ago, he said, well, you know, when they're out of the house, I don't have to be a parent anymore. That's not true. That's not true. I'll always be that parent. I'll always be that resource. I'll always be that voice of balance. And so, as a result of that, I want to do the best job that I can do. Your returns will never exceed your investments. Just remember that. Your returns will never exceed your investments. You can't invest a million dollars and go to the bank tomorrow and say, I want two. Where are you overexpecting and underinvesting? Where in your relationships are you over-expecting but you're not investing? Become willing to serve others. Become willing to give to others. Become interested in others. Can I tell you, you will make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you will in two years trying to get people interested in you. Philippians 2 and 4, it says, let each of you not only look to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Can I tell you that the reality is people are not interested in you. They're just not. They're interested in themselves. This is why when you walk into a party or a room full of people and you're wondering what everybody's thinking about you, they're not. (laughs) They're not. They're thinking about themselves because they're asking themselves the same question. Hey, I wonder what everybody's thinking about me. It's interesting. Here are a couple of questions for you. Everyone wants better relationships. I mean, there's no question about it. Everybody wants the best and they they want the maximum amount of relationships. How are you managing the, the ones that you currently have? How are you doing with those? How are you stewarding the relationships in your life right now? How are you managing those? And then the question to that is, what would you do with better ones? You will attract who you are, not what you want. So the key to getting the desires of your heart is in becoming the desires of God's heart. That's the key to everything. So be the friend that you would like to have. You might say, hey, I can't trust anybody. Well, here's a question for you. Can you be trusted? Because, again, there's a law of reciprocation at work here. And what you're expecting, you must be willing to be, and you must be willing to give. And then thirdly, and I want to spend the remainder of our time here, we get better when I become a better family member. I have to be a part of a family. I was made for family. Church is a family. This is a family. We're a family. We're a family. We have family problems. We have family challenges. We have family issues, just like your family at home does. But we're a family. But I become better when I become a better family member. Becoming a better family member will attract better family members to you. A man becomes the company he keeps. This also begs the question, am I a consumer or am I a contributor? See, you need to be in a small group. We stress small group because you need to be in a small group. It's not just for numbers. It's not some game we play. We honestly and sincerely want to see the health of growth happen in your life, and it happens through the context of relationships. The only way that that can happen is if we make this big building, this big church, smaller. And the way we make it smaller is through small groups. I've had people come to me and say, hey, I've tried a small group. I didn't like it. Try another one. Hey, have you found yourself with a bunch of misfits? Somewhere out there, last fall semester, we had over 300 small groups. Folks, we had enough small groups for you to try them all year long if you didn't like them. That's like people saying in in South Alabama, I can't find a church. If you can't find a church in South Alabama, you don't want to go to church. They're everywhere. Find a small group. Find a serve team. It's why we stress getting plugged in, getting involved. There is community in all of these areas. I don't want you to just come and attend and sit and wait till next week and come and sit again and just be a spectator and be on the sidelines. You have to be submerged in the thing that is making an impact not only in our community and around the world, but in your life and in the life of other people. You may not think you need people, but maybe somebody needs you. Have you ever thought about that? We need each other and we're a family. This is the church at its best. This is what we do on the weekends, this is not church because church is not an event we go to, it is a family we belong to. That's what church is, that's the definition of church. It's not an event. It's not, I don't go because mom and them said I needed to go. It's a family. It's an organism. It's alive. It's a movement. LifeWay organization conducted a study in American churches. In the average church, only about 50% of people attending the church say, I have developed significant relationships with the people in my church family. Same churches were questioned but with people in small groups. This study revealed that 90% of the people that were in small groups said, I have developed significant relationships with the people in my church family. 42% of average church attenders said, I know my spiritual gift, and I'm using it to serve God and others. Those in a small group, 75%. Let's face it, everyone's ultimate purpose in life involves one common thing, people. It's all about people. Can I tell you what God is all about? People. You wanna be like Jesus? You wanna be more like God? You wanna be more Christ-like? Become passionate and interested in people. For God so loved the world, He gave. You are never more like Jesus than when you love people. Now, with that said, I will agree that the majority of the horror stories and the tragedies and the setbacks, frustrations, the heartbreaks, the betrayals, and all of the sad stories that I hear have one thing in common, and that is people. But I need to balance that with the fact that most of the victories and the celebrations and the strides and the accomplishments and all of life's greatest achievements have one common denominator as well, and that is people. So you might say, hey, can't live with them, can't live without them. And so I want to I close this like this. And I, I want to get close to home. I hope you're not here saying, man, I hope somebody else is listening to this because I want you to hear this. I want you to tune in. I want you to individualize this message and say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you trying to tell me? Don't put this off on somebody else because people do that too often. Well, if they would change. No, you gotta get past that. If I would change, if I would change, if I would get better. The greatest part of your story includes people. So if I were your enemy, and I were a strategist, I would not target you as an individual. I would not try to destroy you. I would try to unravel every single relationship around you. Every single meaningful relationship that you have, I would try to drive a wedge between you and it because when I destroy those, I've got you. And here's why. Because the one thing that is needed for relationships is trust. And I'm gonna tell you, in our world today, in our society today, trust is almost destroyed. People don't trust anybody anymore. We, don't, we certainly don't trust government, we don't trust politicians. Some, some, in some regards, most regards, we don't even trust church leaders. We just don't trust. But let me tell you something. That's not the end of the game. God designed and wired us for the very thing that Satan is trying to use to destroy us with. We have to overcome that. We have to get better. As a matter of fact, people are the schoolhouse for your growth and your development in discovering your purpose. You need them. I heard somebody say the other day, you know what, I just want to move to Fiji. I'm just going to move to a deserted island where there's no people. Here's the problem with that. You're bringing you with you you bringing you. I told my wife, if you ever leave me, I'm coming with you. We're going to work it out because I don't want to be alone. I'm not looking for grass hut real estate in Fiji. I want to work it out. Listen, I've got stories that I can tell you. You've got stories that you can tell me. If you're breathing you have a story. You've been betrayed. You've been hurt. You've been abused. You have been, you have been through the ringer. So have I. You might say, well, man, you have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea what I've been through. And that's why community is so invaluable. When we get together, we exchange stories, and we say, hey, you know what? But I made it through it. I'm a better person, not a bitter person. I'm on top, not the bottom. And let me tell you something. Everybody in your life can walk out, all of your friendships, your relationships, your parents, your family, and everybody. But Jesus said, I will never leave you and never forsake you. He's always with you. That's our hope. That is our hope. That is our passion. And so at every campus, I want every eye closed, every head bowed. And again, I want you to just, just bring this in, focus it in. God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? What are you saying to me in this moment? God, what have I done? I'm speaking to people here who may have just gone through a divorce. The most horrific business deal ever most tragic family situation the greatest betrayal that you could ever contrive you couldn't make this up if you tried it's horrible but this is the moment this is the time in James it says confess your faults one to another so that you can be healed You can go to Jesus for forgiveness, but you have to use your relationships to be healed. You have to have relationships to be healed. And so I'm speaking to every conceivable situation, every conceivable circumstance at every campus, wherever you are, whatever your hurt is, whatever your story is, I'm telling you that the number one strategy of Satan is to keep you out of relationships is to keep you from developing meaningful, substantial relationships because he's making it all about you, but you've been hurt, and look what's happened to you, and look, what's, look what those people did wrong, and look, look what they, look, they've messed you up. But I'm here to tell you that you needed some of those situations. You need, I'm not saying you deserve them because nobody ever deserves anything bad to happen to them. But God wants to take that circumstance. He wants to take that challenge. He wants to take that tragedy. And he he doesn't want you to get bitter. He wants you to get better. He wants you to get better. And instead of running and, and being repelled by the very thing that hurts you, he wants you to run to it. He wants you to be stronger. I want to tell every person under the sound of my voice, you're bigger, you're better, and God's purpose is greater than for you to throw in the towel and for you to quit, and for you to give up, and for you to abandon relationship. God loves you more than that. His purpose is stronger than that. Jesus, this is the moment that I have been talking to you about because this is the moment that matters the most. Lord, nothing I have said matters If your Holy Spirit doesn't move on the hearts of humanity and make the changes that need to be made, I am just a voice. And Lord, the very best that I can do is not good enough. But Jesus, I'm asking you to do what you can do. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to do what you can do. I'm asking you to heal. I'm asking you, God, to restore. I'm asking you, God, to go where people are right now, the ones that are hurting, and God, I even see tears being shed, that you would comfort the way you know how. Because, Lord, we are so limited, but you are unlimited. You are God. And, Lord, at all of our campuses, every person, and even online, those who are listening to me right now, God, I pray that they would not give up They would would go another step. They would trust again. They would love again. They would give again. Because, God, it is worth it. It is worth it. And you are that friend who sticks closer than a brother. You are right there with us. And you have a purpose for our lives. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that every heart would be touched today to a call to action. And we would get better so that everything around us would become better. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.